Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and we're the Gastro Boys. This is Stuff You Should Know. <laughs> That's probably a podcast. The Gastro Boys? With a Z. Y-Z, yeah. Oh, man, Chuck, it's like we share our minds sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. You ever eaten truffles? Uh, sure. I had some popcorn once with truffles and Parmesan cheese. I'm sure it was real truffle. <laughs> I was trying to think if I had, and I think, I mean, I, I didn't, I, I'm a dummy because I didn't even know if, like, yeah, I've had truffle oil. I know what it tastes like. Uh-huh. Spoiler alert, that's not made from real truffles. <laughs> right. It would be so expensive. You could never do that. So, I thought I had had truffles through that, but then I think I remember at a Staple House here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. I think one of the things on their tasting menu had truffle, shaved truffle on it, but like, it wasn't like an extra $100 to cover your pizza. It was like a the tiniest little shaving on top of a, a mousse-bouche type of thing. Right. Which is apparently the way that you're supposed to eat it. Like, Let it shine. You're supposed to eat it with a very, yeah, very simple dish where the truffle is the star and just sit there and cry. Maybe take your clothes off so you can get the full experience. <laughs> okay. And um, and not leave your house for three days afterward, at least according to all of the people who have ever been interviewed about truffles, meaning foodies who talk about this kind of stuff and use words like celestial and life-changing and things like that when it comes to talking about truffles. So uh, that is, you know, the truffles are one of the finer things in life. And another thing that I'd never had either here at my ripe old age was caviar Mm -hmm. until uh, a listener recently who runs the California Caviar Company Uh sent some caviar and I had gone my whole life without trying it, and I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea what it would taste How was like. It? it was awesome. I get it now. Yeah, it's really good. It's like I, I was I was calling it ocean butter. That's oh, kind of nice. what it reminded me of. It's you know briny, but just buttery and like it tastes like a rich person's food. And I totally got it after I had some. I was like, this is really good, and I, I get it now. Um, the, I, I also want to shout out a couple of people since we're talking about the finer things and people who've sent stuff in. Um, uh, all, one more time, we should shout out Togue over at DownEastDayBoats.com um, yeah. for the scallops. Amazing scallops. Um, our buddy Addison Rex, who's um, Jurassic Wines, he likes to send those once in a while, and they're amazing too. Yeah, he's who – I think I've talked about him before. He has the company uh, Wine Spies. Mm-hmm. which is a really kind of a unique take on a wine club membership. And uh, I am constantly buying wines and adding them to my little locker. And then once you get 12 bottles in your locker, you get it shipped all at once. Yeah, he's just a cool dude all around, too. Yeah, he's awesome. And then lastly, do you remember we talked about in the Groundhog Day episode, um, uh, Pig Whistle? Mm. No, Whistle Pig. Yes, yes. Pig whistle. I'm so dumb. Um, <laughs> whistle pig uh, makes rye, and they heard us talking about them, or somebody told them we talked about them, and they sent us like a whole bunch of rye, like really, really good rye. And I'm here to tell you, uh, whistle pig is really good stuff. I have to say, after now having experienced it firsthand, I haven't been in the office in forever. Is there a whistle pig on mm-hmm. my desk? Yes. Okay. Good. Two <laughs> bottles. Remember? <laughs> I don't remember. It was a while ago. 
Yeah, it's still, it should be still there. If not, we got problems. Yeah, boy. We need to look at the security cam. <laughs> but we're talking truffles, and we're not talking chocolate truffles. Uh, I didn't even look this up, but I assume they're named so because they kind of look like truffles, right? That's what I gathered as well. They're kind of um, that c- coated in like a cocoa dust. Like a bumpy. Kind of like spores a little bit. And yeah, they're, they're bumpy and just kind of ugly. They do kind of resemble black truffles in a lot of ways. Let me ask you this. Did you read the Atlantic article? Uh, no, I did not, actually. Well, it's I skimmed it, and I'm going to read it in full later. There's this uh, writer, his name is Ryan Jacobs, who wrote an article in The Atlantic. He was, he was basically on a mushroom story mm-hmm. about porcini mushroom foragers in Germany mm-hmm. and people that weren't, you know, sort of an il- not an illegal trade, but they were foraging where they shouldn't be. One of them ran over a forestry guard with a car, and they got away with it. <laughs> He called his friend in the UK. He was like, hey, is there a story here? And he was like, not really. He said, but if you really want a crime story, look at truffles. So this guy looked at the truffle underground truffle market and wrote this article that turned into a book called The Truffle Underground, colon, A Tale of Mystery, Mayhem, and Manipulation in the Shadowy Market of the World's Most Expensive Fungus. And I I kind of quickly scanned it, and it is um, – like anything else in the world, like fine art or rare wines, anything that's sort of scarce and rare, mm-hmm. there will be crime surrounding it, whether it's poisoning truffle dogs or blowing up someone's car or heisting and robbing people of their truffle take. Or selling fraudulent fake stuff. Selling fraudulent fake stuff. I saw one thing they would do is try and cram dirt into crevices to make them heavier, Um Com- trying to sell diseased, uh, like wormed out truffles and stuff like that. So <laughs> just like anything else rare and expensive, there is a dark side to it, and truffles are no exception. No, none. Um, and truffles are really amazing little creatures. That I, I had no idea. Um, I mean, I, I figured that they were, like I think just about everybody else who's never really looked into truffles that much, that they were very much like mushrooms. Um, and they are related to mushrooms – only in that they are both part of the same kingdom, fungi. Mm-hmm. So to say like um, truffles are related to mushrooms is basically the same thing as saying that human beings are related to starfish because we're both part of the kingdom what? animalia. That's how distantly related mushrooms and uh, truffles are. They they com- they diverged at the division level, which is right under kingdom. So they're they're only related in the most basic way that something can be related, not in any kind of complex or even close way whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest differences between mushrooms and truffles are mushrooms grow above ground. Mm-hmm. And truffles, as most people know, grow underground, which is why you need to hunt. And it's called hunting. It's not Technically, it's not called foraging or collecting. It's called truffle hunting uh, that you used to do with pigs – because pigs, you know, don't need to be trained. They know where to go to get those truffles. Uh, now they use dogs for a few reasons. Uh, one is because dogs don't want to eat the truffles and pigs do. So a pig finds that truffle and you got then you got to get it away from that pig. Yeah. Like really quick. Dogs don't want to eat those things. Dogs just want to make master happy. And so you can kind of train a dog to do this and turn it into a game. And then, you know, the other reason listed here was like, you truffle hunt three months out of the year, and then you got a pig for the other nine months, which I say is great. But other people are like, these are 
hundreds of pounds and dogs are better pets and easier to care for. Right, exactly. Um, the reason people use pigs in the first place, which seems kind of weird on its face, but truffles produce a um, a kind of volatile organic compound called androstenol or androstenol. Um, and that is actually the same thing as a sex hormone scent that uh, male pigs put out. So if you go truffle hunting, you want to take a female pig because they're actually rooting out a sex scent um, I guess they think that uh, a, a male pig and his junk are buried just, f- you know, between 2 and 15 inches underground. Mm-hmm. And so they start rooting through the ground and end up finding truffles and then, like you said, try to eat it. So you have to wrestle it away from them. Sweet pigs. They are sweet. Um, but, yeah, so dogs make a lot more sense. So it's pretty rare from what I understand to see somebody hunting with a pig these days unless they're just like some Old world. hipster purist sure. who also like butchers <laughs> the pig after the truffle hunt too, oh. you know. Um, just out of respect, man. And then um, there's another thing you can do if you're like, well, I can't afford a pig or I can't afford a dog because I've never found a truffle and sold one. I'm saving up. Um, you can get yourself just a little a – little, um, there's a kind of truffle spade called a sapin. You can dig them up with. And there's actually other natural signs that you can look for um, when you look for a truffle. Um, one is the suilia fly. Okay. which likes to plant um, itself, its burrows, just above truffles. So you see this specific kind of fly. If you learn to identify that fly, you can there find There might be truffles. a truffle down there. Yep. And then also, there's something called the brulee, like creme brulee, mm-hmm. but it means burned in French. And it's a dark patch of earth um, around the base of the tree where the truffle's growing, and we'll talk about why they grow there in a second. But this dark patch of earth is actually basically antibiotics that the um, the truffle itself or the fungi that the truffle grows from mm-hmm. puts out to poison the, the ground above it because it doesn't do very well if there's a lot of vegetation growing around it. It does really well growing ar- among the roots of trees. It doesn't like a very clear or it doesn't like a very thick under, underbrush. It likes it to be nice and clear and airy, so it, it kills off any potential seeds or or um, weeds or grass or anything that might be growing right above it. Isn't that amazing? So the truffle says, I shall scorch the earth above me. Exactly. So and that I can good. live. Yes, exactly. That's amazing. Uh, so you see those signs, you probably have a truffle down there. So you don't need a dog or a pig. You just need to be good at that. Yeah, a true hipster, the kind with the pointy chin beard, mm-hmm. they just look um, for truffles by hunting for brulee. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's take a break. That's a good setup. Are, are hipsters still a thing? I don't know. I haven't been out of my house in a year or so, so I can't tell <laughs> if they're still around or not. May, maybe they all went away yeah. during the pandemic. They, were, they rethought their lives, and they're going <laughs> to come out as sincere, non-ironic humans. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, which is what we're going to do. We're going to take a break and come back as that right after this. All right, so truffles... Are these underground things that you eat? I don't even think we said that. We did. We talked about eating truffles at the beginning, I guess. Surely. Now I'm all paranoid that we're not explaining things soon enough. 
Why? Because the foodies are listening? <laughs> well, because people are like, you waited 15 minutes before you even said what X was. I think those people are joking. They're making fun of our paranoia. <sighs> I don't That's care. That's how really. I've been taking it. I'm 13 years in. It really doesn't matter, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, as so long tr- as people are still listening, we're doing okay. Check. Truffles are these things that are very rare. They're hard to find. They're hard to get. They're very mm-hmm. expensive, which we'll get to. Uh, and there are many different kinds. There are thousands of varieties of truffle. But w- if you're talking on a macro level, sort of the basics of truffles that you would hunt and eat, uh, you've got black truffles and white truffles mm-hmm. and burgundy truffles and then some other you know, lesser-known truffles. But it's, you really want to talk about black and white truffles as the yeah. two leading truffles that you're going to find on a plate if you have a lot of money. Right. And if, if they're um, – you're actually specifically talking about the um, – Black French truffle, mm-hmm. um, the tuber melanosporum um, from Perigord, France, yes. the southwest France. Um, and then that's – so that's like the prized black truffle. The prized white truffle, which is actually even rarer and even more expensive than the Perigord truffle, um, is the uh, tuber magnatum pico, the alba truffle from the Piedmont area of Italy. And then, like you said, the burgundy one. Right. Uh, the black ones, if you if you look at it, it's sort of like a lumpy um, – it sort of looks like – has the texture of like a lychee, but it's not colorful. It's black and it's sort of lumpy. Oh, I know what you mean, yeah. And it looks like a clump of dirt maybe. Some people say it looks like poop. Um, if, you, if you slice it open, it looks like it's very – has that dense marbling like a really nice cut of beef might have. Yeah, like Wagyu beef. Yeah. Um, that, which is just amazing to see. If, have you ever seen that stuff raw? The beef or the truffle? The beef. Well, I've seen both, yes. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So why'd you even ask? I don't know, but they do look alike. That that really, really dense, veiny marbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the white truffle, on the other hand, it looks sort of like a little, you know, it's, you know the little round white potatoes? Mm-hmm. It looks like those. Not like a baker potato, but it looks sort of like a white potato. Yeah, like Yukon gold, but white. Sure. <laughs> I like a Yukon Gold. Those are good. Uh, yeah. They're both pungent, and the and the odor apparently is really hard to describe. I've seen so many different creative kind of fun and goofy ways to describe the the aroma of a truffle. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of people say they're stinky. Some people say like locker room-like. Funky, earthy. Yeah, funky and earthy. Um, it's almost as much fun as describing what a theremin sounds like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think burgundy truffles are a little more aromatic, but mm-hmm. you know, they're it's a very unique smell, and I think they're they're kind of stinky, supposedly. Yeah, one of the reasons they're stinky is because um, truffles. So the truffle you're eating is the fruiting body, just like when you eat a mushroom, like a button mushroom. Mm-hmm. That's not the fungi. That's the fruit that grows off of the fungi, and it has the spores, and the spores spread everywhere. Um, and and truffles have have spores as well, but they're sequestered inside of it. They're not on the outside, all hanging out, letting its junk hang around like some common mushroom. Right. Um, they keep theirs inside and until marriage. And by marriage, I mean until an animal roots them up and eats them and then poops it out somewhere else. Right. Um, so in that sense, they're, they're uh, different from mushrooms as well. But they, they have that funky smell because on the outside, when they're in the dirt, they're actually colonized by all sorts of bacteria and yeast and all sorts of weird little things that help create the symbiotic relationship that the, the fungi uh, has with the tree roots that it grows within. So, yeah, you mentioned trees. Uh, 
this is really interesting. Like I never, I didn't know much about truffles at all. And my whole thought was like, why are these things so rare? Like, why can't people just plant truffles mm-hmm. like any other vegetable you might grow? Mm-hmm. And the reason why is, is you, you can't really, there is a process, but it's not like planting any other plant. I think in, they've been doing it for 35 years in the United States at a 98% uh, failure rate. Right. So it's really hard to, uh, to grow. And I don't even know if that's the right word. Yeah, just kind of, um, yeah, because they're, they're like, they're a miracle of nature in a certain way. They're, they're a mycorrhizae, which means that they're a fungi that has a symbiotic relationship with the, the tree that they grow at, right? And they right. usually, in Europe, you usually find them growing around the roots of um, oak trees or hazel mm-hmm. trees. Um, in the U.S., they grow at the base of pecan trees and then oak trees here, too. Um, in Oregon, they grow at the base of Douglas fir trees. So, like, certain species of um, of uh, truffles grow, be- like, at certain – the bases of certain trees because they have these relationships where the the truffle or the mycorrhizae, the, fung- the fungus that gives rise to the truffle that we eat, um, it has – its own symbiotic relationship with a bunch of bacteria and yeast, like I said, that it colonized it. And those things take nutrients from the soil, like nitrates and phosphates, and convert them into nitrogen and phosphorus, which is usable for the tree. So the tree is growing around all these different forms of nitrogen and phosphorus, but it can't do anything with it. This mycorrhizae, this fungi, converts it into usable form for the tree and pumps it into the tree's roots, feeds the tree nutrients. And in exchange, the tree says, here, have some carbohydrates. I'll trade you. And the mycorrhizae, the fungi, says, thank you very much. Yeah, so if you're going to try and... uh cultivate, I guess that's the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. a truffle is you inject a special, uh, these special fungi spores into this oak or this hazelnut tree when they're just little seedlings. Yeah. And then you plant that tree and then cross your fingers, <laughs> yeah. basically, that that tree is going to grow up and be healthy because that's the first step. You got to have a tree that works. And then that those truffles are going to attach to those tree roots underground. And you can't, you know, I imagine it's frustrating in that you can't look at your harvest and just see it growing on top of the ground. Right. You just have to have a lot of patience because I think it takes uh, like four years on average for this to work out to where you're yielding a truffle 2% of the time in the United States. Um, We're trying here. It's just... You know, apparently we have the right climate, like on the West Coast, where you were talking about mm-hmm. some mid-Atlantic states, uh, Carolinas, Virginias, Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, and I think New Mexico and Arizona are only where it's possible to get a 98% failure rate. Right. And we should say this is where they're trying to grow like Paragore truffles or Alba truffles, like the really highly prized ones. Yeah. The United States has its own indigenous truffles. There's something like 4,000 or 5,000 species of truffles. Yeah, we got garbage truffles. Right, they're garbage (laughs) truffles. It's just that there's like three species that are genuinely prized and that can go for like $1,000 a pound depending on how bad or good the harvest was that year. Um, But the United States has indigenous ones. Like there's the Oregon truffle, which grows at the base of Douglas firs. There's pecan truffles, which grow... Basically, everywhere from Florida up to Nova Scotia, um, west of the Rockies or east of the Rockies, 
uh, in North America. Um, and there's a couple of other kinds, too. And from what I saw, James Beard, the revered um, chef and, and food guy, mm-hmm. uh, he said that you could substitute um, a uh, Oregon truffle for an, a white Alba truffle in, oh, really? in a pinch. And it would do, yeah. If he signed off on it, that means... That's definitely okay. Well, they're not cheap either. I mean, I think these American varieties can go for like a hundred bucks a pound, which is a lot of money for a pound mm-hmm. of something. Yeah. Um, but it's not like you know we'll get to the crazy prices at these auctions later on. But it, it's nothing like European mushroom or um, European truffles, uh, namely Italian and French, like you said. I think Spain is the largest producer of truffles. Uh, then you have UK, Australia, Chile, uh, South Africa, Sweden, uh, New Zealand, and then China apparently is uh, really involved in the truffle market and kind of undercutting price-wise. Right, yes. Um, I actually saw that Australia is killing it in the truffle cultivating game. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they started in 1991. And that was when they first inoculated their saplings. I also saw another way to do it, Chuck, is even easier. You just take a bunch of truffle, uh, puree it up, dip the oak sapling roots into this puree, and then just grow those. No injection Um, necessary? No injection necessary. I'm sure the oak prefers that (laughs) way, too. It's just a little baby. Um, But uh, but Australia got their first harvest in 1998, and they are growing Paragore. Um, truffles, which Paragore truffles are less rare, maybe because of Australia, than the white Alba truffles from the Piedmont of Italy and mm-hmm. Croatia. Um, and the the Alba truffles are far more expensive, but a lot of people prefer the Paragore black truffle from France. Just taste um, in general. That some a lot of people prefer the black truffle, so that's the one that the Australians are growing, and they now rival in the harvest by weight. What France um, oh, harvests wow. every year, and they're the good. Paragor region, yes, it's the same thing. It's that truffle, and they're supposedly amazing. Well, I'm sure there are some people that the French would probably say, "No, no, no, the terroir is not the same." Of course, you know that's exactly what they would say, and the Australians would say, "Forget that, mate." Yeah. <laughs> How is that, Australia? Uh, truffle season is short, uh, depending on the truffle. I mean, they're all short seasons, but. You're going to get your white and burgundies from September to December, and then winter blacks from December to March, uh, bianchettis in February and March, and then summer black and white truffles from May to August. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we are mentioning just when truffle season comes around is because truffles, they do freeze them and they do can them, but it's not the same. You want to eat a truffle within four to six days after you take it out of the ground. Yeah, this, this the truffle market is one of those rare ones where there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of like Fraser and Niles crane types running around buying this <laughs> stuff up and caring about it and talking about it to their friends and all that. But it's not an it's not a bloated market in that respect. Like it is genuinely scarce in supply. Right. And in the United States, it's even scarcer because, like you said, we've got a 98% failure rate in growing them here ourselves, and they have such a short shelf life, 10 days tops if you're doing everything right and storing them, um, that to get them here in the U.S. in any kind of quick way from a place where they're already scarce, where they're growing over, like, in, say, Europe, uh, you can understand. It actually makes sense why they're so ridiculously expensive. 
Yeah. And, you know, I went online today because I was like, can you even buy truffles online? Not right now. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They're just all out of stock, right? Well, no. I found some that were in a jar. Uh, and it's it's not like the whole truffle. It's just a, a piece of a truffle. Mm-hmm. And the price I found for the black French one was uh, – and this one website was 100 bucks for – 0.8 ounces. Okay. So less than an ounce was 100 bucks. So I saw some, some they were all out of stock, but some like gourmet sites um, said they can get them. And they're more like um, like $48 an ounce for oh. for like the small size, medium size. And I looked, I was like, is that is that right? And that seemed kind of in line with it. But you also see like crazy prices all over the place. Like, oh, these things are, you know, $2,000 a pound or $4,000 a pound or $7,000 a pound. Those typically are the white Alba truffles and mm-hmm. the black Paragord truffles are maybe a quarter of that. But it all depends on how the harvest was that year. And apparently yeah, right. the harvest has been going down, which is another reason that's so expensive, has been going down steadily for the last century or so. Well, climate change. That's a big one. Apparently, do you remember when I said that truffles like to grow in um, light, airy regions? Even mm-hmm. though they grow underground, they like the above ground to be a certain way. They're real high maintenance in that sense. Right. And controlling. Um, the, there's so many people have moved from the Paragor region or the Piedmont of Italy into the cities and since like the 1880s, 1890s, when they really started harvesting these for the international market. Um that these areas have become kind of unkempt and grown over. And that, in addition to climate change, is affecting the yields, like, dramatically. I think there was something um, – do you have the, the statistics for the yields between the 19th century and today? I do not. Chuck, get ready for your socks to be knocked off. <laughs> oh, boy. Are they on right now? They're on. I just put okay. socks on so you could knock them off. So, in 1890, a total harvest, and I'm not quite sure, maybe this was all commercial truffles, but there was a total of 2,200 tons that were harvested in 1890 around the world. That's still pretty scarce, if you think about it, for an annual harvest globally. Oh, yeah. In 1914, it was down to 300 tons from 2,200 tons. Wow. These days, it can be anywhere from 25 tons to 150 tons a year. That is scarce, and that's why they cost this kind of money. It's um, and like you said, it's not an artificial market. Uh, there's there's one that sold in 2016 at auction a 4.16 pound white truffle for sixty one thousand dollars. Yeah, it's like Which those tunas. It doesn't make sense to me because it's like, well, it's just a big giant truffle. That seems way more than it would be if you bought that same amount. Just the same weight, but in multiple truffles. It just seemed really exorbitant. I don't know if somebody was like, "I want the world's biggest truffle," kind of. Oh, yeah, thing. I think that's. I think that's absolutely it. Like, were they bidding using like a giant foam number one hand? Who's <laughs> <laughs> that kind of guy? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. He paid. He paid a million dollars for that foam, the largest foam rubber number that's one right. hand. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you got to use it. One of the things I was seeing also about climate change affecting truffles is that, so truffles like it wet, they like it somewhat cool, and they like it kempt. And like I said, the regions that they normally grow are getting unkempt, 
and they're getting hotter and they're getting drier. Like climate change is bringing more extreme weather, like droughts kind of thing. And they're also bringing hotter weather to regions like the southwest of France or the Piedmont of Spain or Italy, I'm sorry, um, that where it, it didn't used to be that hot back in like, say, 1890 when you're getting like 2,200 tons annually. So all of these combined on top of the idea that even under the best of circumstances, the normal life cycle for a particular mycorrhizae that produces truffles that you, you want, like an alba or a paragor, maybe produces truffles for 15 to 30 years in yeah. the wild. And then after that, it says good night forever. And the French and the Spanish and a lot of the traditionalists in Europe say, well, then that's that. We just need to move on and find another tree. Well, they're finding that they're, they're not growing under other trees. And so there's kind of this push to, to start inoculating trees there in Spain and in the southwest of France. And Europe has long been pushing back on the idea of kind of introducing man's hand to this, humankind's hand, I should say. And I think they're starting to kind of um, rethink that kind of thing these days. Should we take another break? Sure. All right, we'll take another break, and we'll talk a little bit more about the flavor and the trade and what these things are even used for right after this. So the truffle trade, like we said, check out that Atlantic article. I'm going to read it closer after this because it's just really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a dark side, of course, to this trade. Um, there are people poisoning each other's dogs. It's awful. Um, the guy who wrote that article said that he, you know, anecdotally talked to different veterinarians that said that they got two or three a week dogs being poisoned. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of vets in the area that were saying the same thing. So that's horrific on its surface. Yeah. Um, slashing tires, of course, robberies, heists, uh, fake truffle. Well, not fake, but just inflated truffles with the weight like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And you might like hear all this and just be like, why? Like, I know they're rare, but is this caviar to Chuck? Is it this thing that is so delicious that you must have it? And you know, I don't know, because I've never had it. I do like the taste of truffle oil and this this fake truffle. I think in the 70s, uh, an Italian chemist isolated uh, one of the flavor-producing compounds and recreated it. So we do have the asynthetic truffle taste, but apparently that's like they isolated one of these compounds. That right. is not what a real truffle tastes like, is what people say that have had real truffles. No, it's like so complicated and complex because, again, some at least some of the smells and tastes that are coming off of the truffle you're eating are coming from the the colonizing bacteria and yeast that are growing all over it, too. And as they're exposed to air, they start to kind of die off, and that's where the smell and the odor goes, at least in part. So to, to just kind of nail one particular flavor compound yeah. and say that's truffle flavor, I think it's 2,4-dithiapyl. Pentane, yeah. Nice work. Um, just to say that that's, <laughs> thank you, just to say that that's truffle flavor not only misses 
all of the nuance of truffles, apparently. I'm speaking from just somebody who's only been exposed to 2,4-dithiapentane, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, but that also, if you eat enough of that, if you eat too much truffle popcorn with Parmesan shavings at the nice movie theater in town, um, you um, are going to kind of um, uh, desensitize yourself to actual truffles. So if you actually say, I'm going to get some truffles this season and try it, uh, it, it might be lost on you because you're just used to the kind of the clunkiest version of the truffle flavor. I'm taking that risk, I guess. I mean, it is good. <laughs> like truffle, truffle flavored anything is pretty great. I like it. It, um, it is even hard to describe with just that one compound. It's hard to kind of, you know, it's sort of an umami richness. Uh, it is earthy. I like the flavor, and I'm not going to be, you know eating many real truffles in my life, if any. So I'm not really worried about ruining my, my truffle mm-hmm. palate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to have that stuff. It's fine. Sure. For this guy. It's truffles for the rest of us. <laughs> That's right. So if you do come upon some truffles that you want to, um, that if you just say, okay, I've got 100 bucks I'm going to spend on truffles. I'm just going to do it. Um, Uncle Joe Biden sent me a check, and I'm going to use $100 <laughs> of it on truffles. I'm going to help the. I'm going to stimulate the economy. It trickle like down. <laughs> um, so, what would you do, Chuck? What's What's your first move? Well, you want them within five to six days after they've been harvested. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to keep them in a closed container wrapped in a paper towel because you really want to keep them dry. Wet truffle is no good, despite the fact that they love wetness to grow. Mm-hmm. You want to keep that thing dry. Uh, if you want to get a little more bang for your buck. And not actually use any of the truffle, but impart that flavor. You want to douse it, it in two four dithiapentane. <laughs> Store it in a in a closed like glass Tupperware. It's not Tupperware if it's glass, but you know what I mean. Sure. Glass dish with some cheese, open cheese, or even eggs that have not you know just eggs in their shell. Yeah. And it will actually somehow by way of magic, the cheese makes sense, but it will actually penetrate that egg. <laughs> and flavor that egg somehow. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. That's how potent those things smell, that they actually make it through eggs, shells inside, and then just um, inculcates them. But like you said, you want to keep it simple. I mean, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say bland, but they say like shaving truffle on a very simple uh, risotto dish yep. or just plain scrambled Parmesan. Eggs. Yeah, scrambled eggs, plain Parmesan pasta. Uh, pizza is a big one, like a, you know, a, just sort of a, a cheese pizza, like a really nice one, wood-fired yeah. pizza with yeah. shaved truffle on top. It's supposed to be great. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't have to do anything with it. You just shave it raw. You don't have to cook it. It's not like some hard thing to, to use. You just, you shave it onto something and, and let it shine. Apparently, the ancient Romans used to cook it and eat it with honey, but they also thought that truffles were created when lightning struck damp earth. <laughs> so don't put a lot of stock into their thoughts. Like, just use it, you know, shaved, fresh truffles onto a, a very nice dish. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to go to a nice steakhouse and get truffle butter on your steak, mm-hmm. it's not going to be real truffle. But who cares? But, I don't know. I could see Kevin Rathbun using real truffle. You think? How about this? If you are getting that steak and it's outside of truffle season, it's not real truffle. But if you know when truffle season is, right? So say you're going between um, November and the end of March to a really nice steakhouse. It's possible that they are using real truffles that night. Yeah, and it's shaved super, super thin. Like when you see it on a 
on a food item. It's, you know, they have these razor sharp, well, I guess they're razors. <laughs> and it always reminds me of uh, of Goodfellas. Uh-huh. I cannot think of of shaving something with a razor blade and not think of the scene in Goodfellas in yeah. prison where Polly had his technique where he would shave it so thin it would it would what would he say liquefy it would di- in the li- liquefy in the pan. Yep. <laughs> it's so great, man. I love that part when they were yeah, in prison and just part. like living high on the hog. Yep. Um have do you ever eat roasted garlic like on toast? Not on toast, but I, I roast garlic plenty, sure. Oh, okay. But, yeah, just, just, like, just spread it a, on toast. I bet that's yeah, good. Yeah, just take a whole bulb, spread it on some toast, and, and thank me later. It's really good for your guts. You know what I've been doing lately hmm. is the uh, – I don't know why I didn't know it existed. Everything Bagel is my favorite bagel, and they make everything oh, bagel yeah. shakers. Trader Joe's? Uh, no, but I'm sure oh, that's okay. good, too. But just yeah. at a regular store and – uh so I just keep that. I put that on a lot of stuff, like yeah. uh, just avocado toast with that that yeah. stuff. My buddy Eddie turned me on to that mm-hmm. with shaking that stuff on some avocado toast. Mm-mm. I know you can put it on just chunks of avocado and it sound it tastes very good too. You can put it on anything. Let's be honest. You can put it on an old shoe. <laughs> sure. What else you got? I, I got nothing else. That's it. I want to eat. I want to eat a real truffle. Uh, if you eat a real truffle, it'll probably taste so good, it'll make you do the truffle shuffle. <laughs> right? Very nice. Uh, well, since I said truffle shuffle, everybody, I think it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this Titanic role play. Did you see this one? <laughs> no. This is really neat. This is not okay. kinky. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, it, it didn't even cross my mind. Just the just on its face, it's hilarious. Uh, okay. Uh, hey guys, my name is Annika, and I've been listening since about 2018. Really love learning from you guys and listening to your episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, during the beginning of quarantine, many of my family members, including myself, were quarantining at my mom's house. And as you and everyone else knows, we hit a point in our house where everyone got a little loopy. Uh, not really sure how it got started, but we decided to have a Titanic party on the anniversary of the ship sinking. Uh, everyone was assigned a real passenger crew member on the Titanic and had to act out the part for the evening, including dressing up. Uh, Even dogs got parts, too. Um, By the way, they (laughs) sent in pictures of them dressed up with their animals dressed up, and it was pretty great. That is adorable. Uh, We had a meal based off one of the menus recovered from the ship, and we had to eat in certain areas according to our class. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This is so great. Uh, After dinner, we read a short memorial, and with my friends, uh, my friend playing Near My God to Thee on the cello, Took a and I, this was all in video. It's fantastic. Uh, took a five minute plunge in the freezing pool to commemorate the sinking. Uh, then to finish out the night, we round uh, we found out if our passenger crew member had lived or died, and then watched the movie from 1997. <laughs> I want to go night. to this party, man. Yeah. How much fun is that? That's pretty cool. Uh, your episode was more than perfect because we decided to make this an annual party. Oh, there you go. And they held it a few weekends ago. Ah. Hmm. Well, Annika, send me the invite. I don't know where you live, but your family looks awesome, and I want to go to that thing. Yeah, totally. I can't find that listener mail anywhere. I want to see these pictures, but okay. I'll I'll try and find it and send it to you. Her name was Annika. Maybe you could search that way. Annika, that was an amazing listener mail, and we appreciate it. Um, That does sound like a lot of fun. We need to go on the um, Cowboy Weekend. 
with the black cowboy who yes, rode in. All over and that. And then go to the Titanic role play party. And then in between, we'll like maybe cross the country and marry a few couples, officiate at some weddings. On that sounds way. great. I just found the email and sent it to you. And I'm looking at that picture of that dog dressed up. Gets Thanks. me every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the summer of stuff you should know, Chuck. I love it. I still don't have it, Chuck. I don't know what's going on. Oh, there it is. Uh, do you have anything else to talk about while I look at these? No, let's just sign off. Oh, okay. Um, well, since we're signing off, everybody, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email like Annika did. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.